welcome to episode three of Christie's Third Nipple, the podcast as unnecessary as a face mask sign in a Douglas chip shop. My name's Kieran, and I'm joined as ever by Darren. Hello. And Tarek. How are you doing, that? As we welcome listeners in Angus, Fife, and Perth and Kinross into the warm bosom of tier three. Sorry, lads, you had a good run and you blew it. In this episode, we'll be discussing what we've been watching over the last week and reviewing Tarek's choice of Borat subsequent movie film. Should you wish to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at Christie's Nibble, and all previous episodes are available on Spotify and anchor.fm slash Christie's Nibble, amongst other platforms. But enough of that. This episode can only start in one way. Novak Djokovic, Yelena Jankovic, Slobodan Milosevic, Nemanja Vidic, Branislav Ivanovic, your boys took one hell of a beating. You were no match for the skill of Steve Clark, the arse of John McGinn, the shaved napper of Lyndon Dykes, and the sweet left peg of Ryan Christie, and the mighty paw of David Marshall. 22 years of glorious failures and bang average performances are forgiven. Yes, sir, we can indeed boogie. Tarek. you boogie. <laughs> Tarek is the show's resident basketball fan. Does it? <laughs> Does this achievement rank alongside Michael Jordan's double three-peat with the Bills? And should Netflix commission a ten-part behind-the-scenes documentary? Oh well, that documentary is a must-watch straight away. <laughs> yeah, watching watching the boogies. Um, oh, what a, what a feat that was! What a, what a night! Um, absolutely. Chicken. Can't wait to get down to take on the, the old Av, old enemy. Um, yeah, we're, we're definitely we're, we're doing it and we're doing it well. And I mean, we went, what was it, eight games unbeaten, nine games? It's what something was, like that, aye. Uh, um, well, we'll not talk about last night's. Nah, that's fine. But even, even though we've done, we done pretty well last night, we're still, uh, we're still past the ball, about. we're still dominated. But um, but man, we're in. We're into the finals for the first time. Twenty-two years. I, I still remember um, playing Brazil. What was Aye. it? Euro? Was it the Euro? No, it was World Cups, obviously. Brazil was World Cup ninety-eight. Ninety-eight, and I had my paper run. <laughs> so I must have been fourteen years old, maybe thirteen or fourteen, and I remember getting out of school and sprinting round my paper run. Must have done it in the fastest possible time. And probably got home with. 95 Tilly's still in my bag. But uh, <laughs> got home, got the face painted, and uh, still remember that feeling of the first. Now, now we're going to be able to legally drink uh, this one, and it's going to be amazing. I was the same. I think I think my mate helped me finish the papers so we can get round and watch it. And I was mm. definitely 14. <laughs> I was just to give you some sort of. Uh, focus on this Darren right we were 14 yeah. as we're saying right so we are looking at this watching people go down to England in Euro 96 watching people over in France in 98 and thinking like that's what that's why I'm going to do when I'm an adult yeah. like without a doubt and yet it's <laughs> fucking 22 years for it to happen <laughs> to, to put it in perspective I, I'm 19 and it's not happened within my lifetime until now <laughs> to make all the listeners feel old Look at this in a positive way. That does make me feel fucking old. But look at this in a positive way. 
the first time that you can legally drink at one of these things, and it fucking happens. Unbelievable. Oh. Right, here's the places that European championships have been hosted, right, since mm-hmm. Belgium and the Netherlands, Portugal, Austria, Switzerland, Poland and Ukraine, and France. And not to mention World Cups in Germany and Russia. Yeah. Just, Jesus Christ, we've all just watched them. Even oh. fucking, even Wales and Northern Ireland got there. That was the hardest, man. But it doesn't matter now. See, see when Northern Ireland got there in the, in the whole uh, World Griggs on Fire tune, that's when oh, I was the course. most jealous. But we've got it now. We've got it and we will be boogieing. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're trying to get them to sing that. Singer with the Scotland team. I heard, I heard one of the singers on the radio it. today. She says, Well, she'll re record it with them. I don't know how that's going to sound like, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just like the story behind it. But yeah, definitely an emotional night because I actually like, um, I watched it with uh, the whole family was huddled around the TV, just couldn't, couldn't keep our eyes off of it. And we thought, All right, we're dominating. We got the first goal. It was just like the, the place came on glued, and then we thought it's okay, we'll win this, and we'll win this, and no time to spare. We'll just see it in the match, and then the the unfortunate happened. Scotland did what they always do and made it really hard on themselves. Right. See, in terms of like, like the perfect sort of movie, like with a three-part structure. Mm-hmm. That had it. I had everything. You had the setup right, so everyone uh-huh. was going fight. We're going to the Euros, right? This is pretty. We're cruising here, and then the confrontation is the goal in the last minute, and we're gutted. We're on the floor. The heartbreak, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once third part, the resolution. David Marshall brings it home. I think. I think I said to you, Dad, when I was staying at yours during the night, a lot. Of- Kind of from my perspective, a lot of the penalty shouts off didn't won by the taker, like the kick taker. But it's just good to see the keeper actually save yeah. us in more ways yeah. than one. And it's just, it's like the the penalties. It's just kind of like you don't really expect the keepers to do that well, you know. And think, oh, I'm gonna slot four or five past you, and it'll just be whoever messes up wins. But no, the the, the keeper just like came out and he did he did a the really good performance and I love his reaction right at the end it was just like you looked to the ref just to make sure and, and then the celebration was on yeah how, how good has Twitter been this week as well it's just been <laughs> oh, so <man>. enjoyable <laughs> I mean, definitely did you see the Yuri Geller one no I've not yeah. seen that one <laughs> oh, but he, he, posted, he posted a video 20 minutes after it right? so 20 right. minutes after it and he's standing there with a the TV in the background and he's saying He's got a Scotland, a Scotland top in his hands. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move the ball. I'm not gonna move the ball. I'm just gonna make sure he misses. I'm just gonna make sure he misses. And he just he's an absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of video, I saw Andy Murray's uh, reaction, which is captured by like, oh, uh, folks say we must be hard being Andy Murray's neighbours, and then Marshall saves, and all you hear is a faint yes. Are <laughs> 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 you thinking some like you know after the game the, to the pundits reactions and they're on their feet and they're like yeah, yeah, yeah. expecting that but Andy goes yes <laughs> <laughs> are you thinking a guy who's won tournaments has gone to those positions gone to Wimbledon don't worry to be fair like that, that is probably noisy where he lives 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you nearly got an ad spoke for that one. But... <laughs> Has he came out and said anything about that yet? No. He's trying to defend himself a wee bit. I've seen, I seen uh, the, the save and then the players running and all the people celebrating in their houses set to like um, Rocky music. And it was, oh, that was tremendous. Oh, that was tremendous. You saw Andy Murray in that one actually. He's given it a sort of clenched fist. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe not so much any noise. Well, it's hard to tell because you're just hearing the big bells from the Rocky theme and stuff. So. Yeah, of course, the, the one with the Titanic song. Yeah. That's a, that's a football classic. I think when every emotional moment happens in football, someone's straight into their computer trying to edit it all in. Did you see oh, Dan, yeah. Dan Fletcher was in the studio calling for people to get their veins on the go? <laughs> <laughs> I got to the point where my little brother looked at me and said, Dan, what, what's a vine? And I'm like, oh, no, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> like that was the uh, the predecessor to your TikToks nowadays. Yeah, I know. Like, does it feel that long since you've qualified? <laughs> 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 I think I got... <laughs> let's uh, what else? Let's move on then, Tarek. What's been happening in the Brady household other than that? Um, it's been a fairly busy week as always in the Brady household. Um. Well, I've told you before that I've got my, I'm not sure if I did actually, my wife, she's Polish, and um, her mother, my mother-in-law is staying with us just now. We've managed to sneak her in just before all the lockdown happened. Um, so I've got my wife, my three daughters, and my son occasionally popping in. Um, but uh, my mother-in-law, she's... Um, She's a character, we'll say. <laughs> she's kept me very, she's kept me very entertained. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she doesn't speak much English. Okay, so very basic in English. She's taught herself over the last say, eight years, and um, we went away up for a nice wee walk. There's a the blue door ga- uh, blue door walk just outside Edsel, which is lovely. It's an absolutely beautiful walk. You go through this wee blue door and you just walk walk along past this uh, nice river. And um, so as we were driving up there, got mother-in-law in the front seat and she points to me and she says, what's the name of that river? Or what's, that, what's the river? And I was like, what's that? I've not got a clue. Um, <laughs> I think it's called um, Macock. Ma- Ma- she was like, ah, ah, nice Macock. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> me and the missus are just being myself laughing. A couple of days later, we hear her talk, talking to my wife's brother, saying, we went to Macock <laughs> for a walk. A walk on Macock? <laughs> beautiful beautiful Macock. <laughs> nice, long, beautiful, flowing Macock. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was, that was, that was one, one wee um, Polish mother-in-law story. Um, Another day, another day, I was put a put a Polish TV channel on the Fire Stick, and um, and I had to go away and pick up the kids, and I just left it left it playing, and I just said, "Right, I'll be back in half an hour." Went away, came back, and um, when I came back, she was all flustered and bothered. I was like, "What's wrong?" And then 
got Azita Oscar. And uh, she said that when she was watching it, it, the TV must have went off or something uh, because the big fire stick sign came up on the TV and she just seen it saying fire. And she thought the TV was a way to go on fire. <laughs> so she went across to start touching the TV to see if it was getting hot. <laughs> and started looking outside to see if there was any neighbours that could come in and help her. <laughs> and then oh. two minutes later, we came through the door. <laughs> just oh, seen a big fire and seen this thing. <laughs> I like uh, the first instinct to see when the word fire is to go over and touch it. And just to make sure it's indeed a fire. Uh, she's a, she, is, she is a legend. She, she is always up for a good laugh. Uh-huh. I like that, that she thinks the TV's got this the sense of mind to tell you, I'm away going fire. <laughs> <laughs> run, yeah, run, t- run. T- <laughs> no, actually, we're not that advanced. We're not the smart homes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you, uh-huh. you, I'm away going fire. <laughs> you better be so. <laughs> But, it's uh, like it's, uh, it's Mission Impossible, where the message is about to self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's just it's brilliant having her here. What's, um, a, what's the name again, Tarek? Vyeshu. Vyeshu. Vyeshu, yeah. Uh, so she's going about just speaking to everybody and anybody that she can, even though we're broken English. Apparently, I just told her, um, one of my brother-in-law's this story about the macaque. And he said, oh, yeah, because um, he stays in Dubai. And he said that he's got a story for us where she was talking about a hand job. <laughs> so I'll, I'll find that story. I'll get that story. And then I'll, I'll fill you in next week, hopefully. It's like a sitcom. <laughs> Obviously, we call you a lot the, the Brady Bunch. So I think it's taken already. But yeah. <laughs> it's like there's always a wacky story based off a misunderstanding. And now you've a, a manic Polish mother-in-law in the mix. Oh, exactly. <laughs> That's the card to the ad when it's getting a bit stale. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> Seven series yeah. something to happen, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, damn, we've got, we're, we're expanding to the 12th and 13th series with a new family in Dubai and yeah. Sudan oh, yeah. and all this. So, so we're, we're, we're going international. We're better than the but Kardashians. The, like. got the holiday episodes coming in. <laughs> the holiday special. Yeah. <laughs> you're certainly trying your best when you're pimping the burns in the evening telegraph and any podcast going, eh? <laughs> I'll, I'll get every, every one of my children on this podcast at some point. <laughs> oh God, try to catch the oh. ear of a uh, cast and director in Hollywood just to make sure you get a show. Maybe the next Netflix thing will review is your show. I've got big plans for my retirement. They better get making money. <laughs> what about you, Daz? What have you been up to? Uh, just mostly mostly work, but I'm um, trying to walk whenever I can. But um, in fact, I've actually just been kind of more hooked on the Joe Rogan podcasts. Um, like, right. I listened to one today with Mike Tyson. And oh my oh, God, that's, nice. it's such a laugh, but it's actually really... That's a really interesting, incredible, because he's, from what I understand, he's kind of came out of retirement, and he's getting himself right back in the fighting shape again, but when you listen to him speak, you hear it's actually a lot more psychological and mental. It's not just, he's not just a big, tough guy who, like, lifts weights and punches, like, bags or anything like that. Like, he studies, like, 
like warlords and like Alexander the Great and stuff like that, and yeah. sees what made them tick and what they made them conquer people and just takes that into the ring with them. But yeah, the guy, it's just, he must be intimidated to go around, but he seems actually really, like, really funny and easygoing. Uh, yeah. But I don't know, it's like, it's, I don't know, I really quite like the Joe Rogan podcast now because you get celebrities on and you see what kind of made them happen. Uh, Tyson's, yeah, yeah. Tyson's a machine, though, is he? He's just an animal when he got into that ring. Yeah. I remember watching a wee documentary about um, how his trainers just folk made him just so ferocious. Just mm-hmm. when he was such a young boy, he just kind of put that in, into him because he didn't have a father figure. He, he kind of yeah. clung on to all his coaches or his management, well, no management, his, yeah. mainly his coaches, to him and... They just totally pumped him right yeah. up into. Uh, and he just said that he had that just that one track single minded thing. As soon as he got into the ring, he turned yeah. into this animal, and he didn't. And he just had that rage and that. Oh, yeah, he yeah. goes over that in the podcast and says his coaches would say, "I'm going to get you this if you win this tournament. If you didn't win it, they wouldn't give him it." And it's oh. not just like, "Oh, you're a second place. That's close enough." Like no, and even like you were saying that some fights were just like. He won in the first round by knockout. He'd still be so pumped up, like he trained for months non-stop, yeah, and got himself in such mm. a like a such a zone that if it happens, if it's over forty six seconds or whatever, he's he's not ready to come out that. Mm. And if the first person to say no to him, he's gonna he's gonna get something. Like it's he's been to jail a couple of times and stuff like that. It's just it's incredible because like when you think about it, so what you can push. The human into like the human mind or the human body and yeah it's just the prime example of that one thing he talks about because uh, that's the second time he's been on the, the joe rogan show mm. and the first time was maybe about three years ago or something and he'd retired he'd moved on from his that person if you can imagine it was like a bipolar yeah. sort of thing and he's put that to bed uh he he, he smokes weed He's absolutely chilled. He's a good laugh. So I think it'd be interesting for you to go back and listen to yeah. the first time he was on. Because then he gives you more about, you know, the difference <laughs> between this mic and iron mic, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, he speaks about Joe that a lot mention more. mention that, yeah. Because when he's on the second time, the one you mentioned, he's in that zone. And it's almost as if he's like a one-track sort of mind. He doesn't allow himself to think about when he was a, a, a chilled-out weed smoker. He was a good yeah. person to be around because he can't. Because even though this is only an exhibition that he's <laughs> meant to be doing here, yeah, I think he's just going to fucking kill he him. He can't allow himself to, to not uh, like be calm about it. But it's it's funny because he he did mention that, and it's funny because how he got back in the shape because his wife or something mentioned like, oh, she's just like you know getting shape again. You know, yeah, like, she, you know, yeah. sometimes, <laughs> and like there's a big difference to shape and fighting condition. So he was he was on the he's on a bike for a couple hours, then he thought, I, I he just like he's he's like muscle memory. He just got right back into it again, and before he knew it was happening, he was like phoning people up or was getting calls saying you're fighting this guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like a bill scene red. Really, that's what oh. I can describe him as. Do you, not say, guy, do you not say something like he went on the treadmill intending to do like half an hour or something and he stayed on for two hours? Yeah, something Just, like that. Yeah, something twigged because yeah, he thought he was getting fat 
Somebody, somebody mentioned that and he's not nah, fuck this. <laughs> talk about stuff being like movies, like with the the Scotland team. This is a movie. This is a combat movie. This is like Rocky coming back. You know, this is, but it's like in real life. And it's it's not like a depression Rocky. Like something bad happens to him and he's got to come back. And you know, it's some dramatic story. This one is just like his body just snapped back into shape. <laughs> you know, his mind just went. No, you're doing this again. Well, Jamie yeah, Foxx was um, a way to play him in the movie. Mm-hmm. The yeah. going to do like a bio uh, movie for uh, Mike Tyson. It's, I think he'll do a good should job. Be fairly, uh, well, hopefully. Uh, Christ, you don't want to do a bad job on a Mike Tyson bio, do you? No one's still alive. But Mike Tyson after you. Jamie Foxx is quite yeah, talented. So I, think, <laughs> I think he'll do a good job. But... Well, so um, I'd actually watched the series with my mum on Netflix called The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is made by the same people that did The Haunting of Hill House, if you saw that. And it's, it's kind of like a similar thing, but um, I actually quite prefer the uh, Bly Manor because of the Hill House, it's like, um, it's like something traumatic happened 20-odd years ago, and it's now the, the family as adults dealing with that and grouping up in going to confront that thing but in Bly Manor it's like a story told uh, like the night before a wedding and it's like about this family I think in the 80s or something with it Bly Manor and it's kind of about the people that are there and the, the ghostly goings on but you realise that you know nothing's alright it's, it's never alright with these haunting shows and there's a <laughs> couple of yeah um like three episodes kind of normal, like just uh, follows everyone. Then you after that it comes like solo episodes about a person or two people, and it really just kind of puts everything else into into focus. And I, I love shows like that where it's like a lot of character, uh, the characters at the focus of it, at the front mm-hmm. of it, and like characters you thought, oh, wow, he's a bit of a dick, and you realize, oh well, there's a reason behind that. And just it's quite it's really quite good and it's a recommend and it, me and mum don't really get a lot of time to watch stuff together. Obviously, I I work and she she works as well, but it was actually the episode just kind of flew by before we knew what was happening. We we're watching the second one or the third episode. So but no, it's a really good. Nine, nine episodes is that like on Netflix? Yeah, nine episodes. Right. Nine episodes, which I quite like. There's a lot of I don't have to do it so much now, but I remember a couple of years ago, there was always a push to have 13 episodes or 12 episodes, and it made shows feel a bit bloated. Mm. But I think I think the trust this guy who makes the haunting ones just to have free reign, really. I kind of like when I see something start and then it's like it's only six episodes or something. I like mm. that sort of self-contained sort of yeah. format. Because it, it knows it's worth, and it's not going to speak too much about one thing or wait too long or introduce a character or like a subplot just to do it or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Do, oh. do you guys ever start watching something and not check how many episodes it is? Because that's, that's an interesting watch, you know, yeah. especially, especially if it's like a crime drama, right, which I'm all about. So there's yeah. a police chasing a bad guy, right, and like episode two, he could be in the interview room. And if you know that there's ten episodes, he's not leaving. He's leaving that interview room, you know. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean. Uh, but see, yeah, like that. Know, does it? Does yeah. 
Yeah, well, that was I, I something, did that check was, to that, see how long that was. And see, that's good. Yeah, that was a good example, uh, actually. And and I was just like, right, oh, this is. I, I kept this going, and then um, when um, I got told that it was only three episodes, I was already halfway through the second one. I was like, oh fuck. Uh, yeah. I, I actually wanted that to be a wee bit longer, but then I couldn't see it going much further in the same instance. But then, yeah, mm-hmm. the, 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 the head the, with that, that was a set storyline, though. So you couldn't yeah. really fault it because it was so so much in the public eye. But that'll go with your true crime kind of. Yeah, no, we watched that. That was that was good. Uh, as much as you can enjoy something like that, I did enjoy it. Aye, David Tennant was amazing. He was, yeah, it was immense. Yeah. Um, my answer's a little bit different. If it's just one season, I I don't look. But if it's uh, if it's multiple seasons, I'm like, how how long are we talking here? You know, mm. uh, like because it's just kind of good to see because one season might have ten episodes and the second season has twenty. It just might need that much. I always find that interesting to see what shows are like to that length. But I see like a thing on Netflix, you know, they sometimes they have shows that release episodes weekly. I try right. to avoid knowing how many episodes there are left because you can find it online. You can Google it and say, oh, okay, it's eight oh. or something like that. I'm like, oh, no, because I don't know. It just puts a ticking clock on my head. But what show was I watching? It was Better Call Saul, actually, not too long ago. And I was just kind of like, but oh, I wouldn't it would get home. Or actually, I don't know if a lockdown would happen at that point, actually. But I'd be home. I was like, every Friday, new episode of Better Call Saul. I'd finish work and I'd just watch it. And it was something to look forward to, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I suppose you're then not thinking, oh, it's going to end soon. Because I was just thinking about mm-hmm. that. When you started actually looking into how many episodes you've got left. Because growing up, you never got that for any TV series. It's only in the recent past that you're that you're able to kind of check that yeah um even watching like sort of lost and um the wire and things you weren't able to check and see how many episodes and how i think maybe the cliffhanger may have kind of changed that where a lot of seasons ending on a cliffhanger people would then check to see how many episodes they've got left until that end uh, until the end of that season, until they actually get this cliffhanger yeah. to find out. That might have changed the concept of people looking to find out how many episodes are in a series. One of the things that put me off, Lost. I mean, that was kind of groundbreaking. <laughs> no. I think pretty yeah. much everybody was watching it, I think. And then it was, I've still not finished it. <laughs> no, nah, near a bit. It was, it was when I found out that the, the writers didn't know where it was going to go. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, what is the point? What's the point of getting invested in something? Up. I appreciate that. Yeah. What is the point of getting invested in something that just might not end well, might not even have the same people finishing it? And mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think what other, because there was a couple of seasons, but a prison break as well, that was around the same time as the writer's strike and all that jazz. But, um, prison break's pretty um, generic though, isn't it? And it's <laughs> yeah. almost like Two or three cliffhangers every with the episode. <laughs> you know, is, is he going to die? Is he going to die? Is he going? No, no, he's not going to die. He's not going to die. Is he going to get caught? Nah, he's not going to get caught. The first the shows just stopped after the first season. Yeah, it was pretty but cool. The whole maybe the second in. one, and then that was it. But. See, you see the thing with the whole kind of Netflix model and the streaming services. Do you think that's 
kind of killed the cliffhanger. Maybe not as when it happens. Like, if it was getting released weekly and then you had to wait like eight months for the show to come on again, maybe not then, but when shows just get released in bulk, you know, it, they say it's kind of... Yeah, because the whole point killed. of the cliffhanger is having to wait. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? So, yeah, and then, I, then the I probably hold it. Five, four, three, two, and then you're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't wait for five seconds. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't miss them. As I said, like, uh, Lost was full of them. Prison Break, full of them. 24. Mm. 24. Oh, Jesus. That, that was built on it, was it? That, that was oh, that was, that. that was, yeah, that was quite yeah. You, um, yeah, you, you couldn't yeah. get to a beep, beep. You, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't have watched either. I'm glad that that's not continuing that sort of format. I remember the whole thing we, about. Oh, sorry, when we done a 24 binge over 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <In the laughs> Took a day off work and never moved yeah. to the couch. <laughs> that's when we were watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, on you go. But yeah, the, the whole th- in twenty four, it was always like, right, I've got your daughter. Always oh, the fucking dog getting caught. Was it? Uh, oh, we've, we've got our hostage, and uh, you've got uh, twenty five minutes until we kill her. Lo and behold, there's twenty five minutes left until the the, the, the top of the hour. <laughs> Don't yeah, worry, we'll give you advert breaks. <laughs> <laughs> But first, the worst, worst from our sponsors. <laughs> God, I wish I could have watched Twenty Four. Uh, I hope that's kind of one of the things that get brought back. I kind of, you know, like Netflix makes the those shows, and obviously there's new shows getting made every minute. But kind of old iconic shows. Not, not to call you guys old, but to kind of get brought did. back. And you, and you did that later on as well. So last twice. <laughs> Is this young, the young whippersnapper, you. <laughs> Darren calls everyone old. There's your title. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, shows like that, I wish they could have got a revival of sorts getting brought back. Because I, I don't know, my granddad's you... really into that. I would say uh, you should just go and watch 24. Because I, like, I don't think they're going to make them like that anymore. No, they, they, yeah, they, never they ran like that a, into the ground, I think. Uh, I never meant like a reboot where it said revival. I just mean like kind of give it a new life by totally put on services again. Right, yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah, kind of uh, like how you evolve almost nowadays. Yeah. You should go back and watch at least the first season of 24. Because, mm-hmm. And then after yeah, and that, then, you'd know like, exactly what the next seven seasons are going to be. Very much, yeah. Just a different foreign terrorist. <laughs> yeah, David, David Palmer's still my first, uh, first president. So I watched, uh, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Captain Fantastic. No. No, right, so. No, I don't it, think so. No. It's uh, Viggo Mortensen, who was in Lord of the Rings. He's the Lord king. Lord of the Rings, aye. Aye. Yeah. Although he looks a lot in this, he looks like Woody Harrelson. I kept thinking it was Woody, like a young Woody Harrelson. <laughs> So weird, but so the story is that he, he he's got six kids and he's raising them off the grid, uh, in the forests and just outside like Washington State or maybe inside Washington State. Um, he's educating them. He's mm-hmm. he's got them like they go through like a regular rigorous physical sort of training regime. 
So they're, they're fit as anything. They're really clever. Uh, the first scene is like the oldest son killing a deer by, his, by a knife, eating the heart and, you know, becoming a man. So that was kind of like a ritual. And well, that sounds pretty savage, and it is. Um, there's kind of more to them. They're, they're more well-rounded than most most of us, really. Um, yeah. And without going too much to spoilers, the mum the mum dies early on in, in the thing, and that's what forces them into kind of like modern society. Like they've got to go and have a uh, back and forth with her parents about funeral arrangements, and a couple of things happen that brings his parent in into question. And it's all about how they kind of interact. Well, especially with... these rigorous uh, training regimes that they've got on the go. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's another scene where they're rock climbing and one of the kids injures himself and he doesn't help him. He's like, well, you know, sort yourself out. Yeah. There, there, there's like a survival nobody, of the fittest thing. There's nobody coming to save you here. What would you do? Look around you, <laughs> figure it out. Um, and obviously, when that goes on, like, the, the modern America doesn't like that. Um, mm. No, is it based in today's time or is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah it's based, it's based now, yeah. Um, and then when the, the oldest, the oldest son, kind of flips a bit with the uh, university, you know, he kind of sees the, the world out, out there, so I starts to think about could he do it. Um, but it sounds, it sounds quite grim, but it's a, it's a drama. It's not like a thriller or anything. It's a drama, but there's humour in it. There's loads of humour. It's kind of their their total disregard for modern life, for capitalism, for religion is hilarious. And the law, there's another scene where they just go and rob a food store, a supermarket, and he gives the he gives the kids a mission, and it's mission free the food. And so <laughs> he fakes a heart attack. He fakes a heart attack in the middle of the aisle. His youngest son is like flapping about with a bottle of pills. Meanwhile, the other five kids are like now outside. <laughs> <All> the <laughs> uh, they've got a bus, which they kind of, that's their only sort of like modern machine. Um, and they're on the bus and they get stopped by the police and the policeman comes on and the oldest son just bursts into like, like, a, like a Jesus family, a Jesus song. Like, like they're a bunch of like com- new world Christians or something like that, and the policeman yeah. just legs it. <laughs> He's like, I've not done all of this. <laughs> you guys are good to go. Just scaring so, them off. Yeah. So I, 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 I would recommend it. It was um, really, really touching. It's funny. Um, and it kind of, I think there's, there's things to learn from us about. Is it, is it a film or a seed? Yeah, yeah, that's a film. It's yeah. uh, from 2016, and it's on. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Do you know what's what it called again? Captain Fantastic. Captain Fantastic. I'll I put the link in the episode notes. Yeah. Right, I cool. guess it's kind of like family can be what you what you want or what you need it to be. You know, it doesn't always have to be standards or what everyone else says it should be. Even though they probably shouldn't be robbing shops and stuff like that, but I don't know. I feel yeah. like it, it's kind of. I'm getting the feeling from what you said they kind of fit together as a group. Oh, they do, yeah. So well. Um, yeah. He's, he's brutally honest with them to the point where if you ask a question like, uh, Daddy, what's a, what's a penis? Um, you know, like a four-year-old asking that, he'll tell exactly what it is. You'll maybe even show him. He'll explain what it is, what it does. In total matter-of-fact terms, because he's like, well, 
what's the point in hiding? You know, like yeah. all, all the sort of um, taboo subjects. They're sitting at they're sitting at your sister's um, dinner uh, dinner table, and one of her kids asks a question, and she sort of you know flops around it, tries to protect him from the truth a little bit, just kind of gives him bits and pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, spills it out right there, right on the table. This is what happened. And I, it's. Uh... I think I think I might have seen a clip on this um, where he goes up to somebody hurts his kid or his kid gets hurt in school and he just goes up to the boy's house and just batters the boy's dad in front of him. No, that, that's not. That's because they're, no, they're, not, not. they're not in school. He, he, uh, he, he homeschools them. Um, but that that kind of rings a bell though. That scene. I remember that. I'm sure I thought it was um, the the king from Lord of the Rings uh, that done it. But... Right, yeah. It might it might be him in a different film. You know, him, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds, just... sounds pretty good. Yeah, I might actually give that a watch. It seems pretty interesting. I kind of like stuff like that when it's like like. Um, Alternative families or like kind of dysfunctional families and stuff like that. It's, I think it's quite quite funny to watch. What what you kind of have to keep catching yourself is obviously you see them from the start, right? So they're the protagonists, and, and you, you kind of associate with them and empathise with them pretty early on, and especially with the death of the mother. But as soon as they go into society, right, you, you kind of catch yourself. You're still rooting for them. Yeah. You kind of, there's moments where you catch yourself and, and you're thinking. If you, me, walked into a like, supermarket and saw a family like that, you would yeah. think, what the fuck is Child that? Child services would oh. be called. <laughs> You'd probably be just like everybody else. Derfie mm. Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> First in the intro, now we're here. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. We're taking a pound in the day. Bye. Up next, we're going to talk about Borat's subsequent movie film. Yakshimash. <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> so, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we had a little chit-chat last week, and we said that we were going to all watch Borat, the subsequent subsequent movie film. So, it is nice, yes? <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I watched it a couple of weeks back, and um, I've, I think I've covered most of Sasha Barakon's, um films previously. Just, Ali G, he was class on that, on the, was it Tonight Show or the one the 11 o'clock show, I think he started off on. Um, and then he moved on to Hollywood and started getting all these films. Um, and this is his latest one. So what did you think, gentlemen? Well, <clears throat> I don't like to kind of prepare too much about what we thought. We kind of like to think, kind of keep the reactions genuine on the podcast. But after I had to say, I heard the chats in play, I have no idea what I just watched. <laughs> of course, I hadn't seen the first one, so I was going to chuck myself in the deep end. 
I don't uh, think you need there wasn't too much of a backstory. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I wasn't really kind of old enough to watch it first when it came out. I wasn't swept mm. up by everyone uh, watching it. And I don't know. I, I, <laughs> it, was, it was funny in parts, but it just has that awkward cringe humour that, like, it, for me anyway, I don't know if you guys do this, but when it gets too like that, I almost want to turn it off. I want to remove myself from the situation. But I stuck through it. <laughs> what about you, Dad? Yeah, I knew it was coming because I've kind of, like, Borat was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. I was surprised how long ago it was. It was like 14 years ago or something. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that's amazing. Uh, so I knew it was coming. I knew his style was to kind of put people in these cringe and just mm. formats. And it's difficult to, to know what's staged and what's not. He's kinda... I was thinking that throughout the whole movie. So, uh, yeah. So I, I read one of the facts was um, when he was in the scenes, so he gets picked up just before the pandemic happens and he goes to these hill, this hillbilly's kind of cabin in the woods mm-hmm. and apparently he stayed in character for the full five days that he was with them yeah so I kind of thought that, that may have been staged because they, they bump into them like yeah. he's walking around it's a ghost town because of the pandemic and they, they, they're the only car there and they just agreed to let Bora, his cameraman and the whole crew go to their house and they're in their house, it's not just a cameraman kind of found footage style. There's cameras up in like different rooms at the top of the ceilings and stuff. So I thought this has to be like, because who, who let some random person and like the camera crew come in and literally set up in the house and stick mm. cameras as far as I can see? I was like, okay, this this must be like the stage. And there's a bit with the, um, the woman, because the, the, the plot of the movie is that he brings his like uh, daughter along for the ride this time and she so she drops her off at this house uh the the black woman and to, yeah. tells her to look after her but then she later on in the movie starts bringing up like the themes of the film and like the motivations and saying oh you should like be your own woman you should not listen to that guy anymore it's like you wouldn't be saying that had like you know you've not been told to say it. like that's the that's kind of the point of the film so is like, she has she been primed on on how to respond to this girl or I think she's just an actress I don't know because <laughs> she's so saying all the the the, the facts what needs to be said to to, to move yeah. the story on she says it yeah 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 like a, like an like a character in the movie would that you wouldn't look twice at but but I'm not sure how much is actually but there is definitely staged parts in it hmm. um but it is. I don't know how much of those types of the scenes that we've just talked about are actually staged. Yeah, yeah. I would would like to believe that the one because their reactions do seem quite quite genuine. Yeah, Uh, see, I mean, the the reactions when when he takes her to the beauty kind of pageant. Well, not even pageant. It's the kind of oh the the where she gets the elocution type. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of like elocution type lesson, yeah, dance thing, and where um he turns to the old guy, and he says, uh, "How much?" And oh, the guy says, "Oh, right, yeah, yeah, that's 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 the kind of dinner dance thing, isn't it?" It's the southern yeah. thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he kind of goes, "Oh, how much?" And yeah, that's, he says, that's what does he say? 
$500. And his daughter just turns around and goes, you're disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that did feel real. And that felt so weird. Kind of like, a, like, I think they said a dad and daughter dance or something like that. And I don't know, that was, that was awkward. But they turned off there. Yeah. But like the thing, like, I, like so to be a point clear, like two examples from the film, when he goes into the tech shop and like he, he pranks a guy with like, you know, the phone connected to the TV and like what he searches and the guy freaks yeah. out and stuff. Oh, and yeah. does the FaceTime like, oh, what, what are you doing in there? I think that's like, like a prank that's real. But with a guy with a fax machine and they're doing the fax machines back and forth from is currently Kazakhstan. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Back and forth. And, one of them's a, like a dick pic and stuff like that. I feel like, yeah, that's like you wouldn't allow that if you <laughs> if you own that. And if he's just really happy, he's just like nodding along. Like I feel like that's staged. There's a lot more. There's the narrative built around certain pranks in the film. I think I can't remember loads from the first one, but see the the YouTube kind of clip that you sent us, Tarek. Not yeah, quite a documentary yeah. on it, but it's a bit. It's a, no, basically it's... a guy who says that Sasha Baron Cohen's a genius, and here's why. And he points to a bit in the first film where he ends up on the on the camper van on the motorhome of these three like jocks. Yeah. And um, so he's on there, and this kind of resonates with it with the him being in the hut with the with the rednecks, mm-hmm. and so he's a, he's in character, and these three guys believe. That he's a journalist and he's filming this documentary and they're in it and they just kind of go along with the ride and what they say to him like the black woman in, in the second one moves actually moves on the film the, the kind of discourse what they say changes him and yeah change for the rest of the movie and then what, what the guy says is that these these jocks don't own the the motorhome as is suggested in the film and they didn't meet him by accident. So some of it is staged. Mm. But I think I think the reactions are are, are genuine. Yeah. But it does it does it does see, make you think when you go. See what's really good. The the actress, um Maria Bakalova, or however you say her last name. Um she see how she breaks away from him, kind of yeah. near the tail end. Well, mm-hmm. what she actually had to do was start up the internet uh, interview company, the kind of document document company or production mm-hmm. company, sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, she actually made it quite big for that production company. And then there's uh, scenes, well, scenes that got cut where she was actually going into the White House and then she was interviewing a few people in the White House and she was kind of showing wow. how, how close she actually got to Trump and stuff like this. All right, okay. Because because the company did actually get quite a bit of momentum. Is this how she got Giuliani, so close yeah. to, him, to Giuliani? Because they Giuliani, actually made... Yeah. They, they took her out of, the, out of the, this, the filming so that she could actually focus on building this up and then so that she could then get this Giuliani interview and that was the I, only way yeah. for it to happen so because all that was kind of going on it makes me more susceptible to mm-hmm. the reactions to everybody else throughout the rest of yeah. the film thinking well yeah. Americans are, I mean, you can't it's undoubted Americans are daft 
look at the amount <laughs> yeah. of people that are following Trump. Um, they're really, oh, sorry, I can't call them daft, they're just naive. Aye, um, I guess <laughs> massively naive. I'd go with somebody pretty daft, though. A fucking stupid bastards. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how it makes it seem more truthful that he has is actually able to yeah. tell them a couple of things and then they take it they take it as I think value. you do need to give them loads of credit and how what goes behind this. I think well, if, if face I, value, I just wish we saw more, yeah. At face yeah. value, you kind of think, oh he's just set them up for a fall, filmed it, got a couple of cheap laughs, and this is it. But like you're saying, to get to that stage, to get to the people that he's got to 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 set the scenes, he's got to kind of do a lot of work. He's got to stay in character, uh, all for the jokes. And um, another thing the documentary brought up was that he, he can go in there with like a, a kind of loose script, but he has to bounce off what they say. So their reactions... Yeah dictates his reactions to that and that moves on the film and he's very good at responding to what they say rather than oh shit I thought you were going to say someone else I had this written down this is what I wanted to say and he did that with Ali G with his interviews with all these famous people who generally who they were their reactions were real that's what he's really good at yeah I guess my 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 kind of question is a lot of people with since the emergence of Trump have says that American Trump and American politics now is like beyond satire because it's it's so ridiculous in real life that you can't take the piss away anymore because it's such a character, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And see the bit where he's on stage and he's getting them to sing. Uh, oh, you know. that that was horrible. Oh, yeah, that that's just... the easiest thing for him. That's that's that would be the easiest thing for him to do. Just go in there, pretend to be and a wreck. That rec- was that was real, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that that takes no skill whatsoever. You know. Put a little I mean, clap could, uh, It'll go along with it, of course it will. I mean, you couldn't take that that type of right wing approach to Borat. You had to go down the sexist route because if you took the right wing approach, you wouldn't be able to stop. Um, to, <laughs> to kind of getting the Americans to jump on board with it or to be have any type of shock value because it's the guys. They're that far gone. What do you what do you think about the? Um, I thought that see the the cake scene where you asked them to say, spell out on the cake, Jews will not replace oh. us. Yeah, so it was uh, I, oh god, I, I was a horrified, and it kind of brought up the controversy of the the whole cake thing years ago. The gay cake. The cake. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I that, was not, that must have been a nod to that. Yeah, mm. there's definitely a bingo card of topics. Like, there's a bit where um, the, the girl, the daughter, gets on Facebook for five minutes and then suddenly becomes a Holocaust denier. And there's <laughs> so something kind of we talked about in the last lad podcast with the, the rabbit holes people can get into. So it felt like it was like a bingo card getting played of. Uh, hot topics, <laughs> and things yeah, and, and, and with that, the whole Epstein thing and that, I just felt wasn't needed. Um, no, yeah, it's an extra scene that's kind of that could have been done without. If he's so, wanting to stick to stick to the one kind of one kind of 
focus. That seemed that's things like that got seemed forced. Whereas, yeah, yeah, what we've been talking about, the best bits are he set it up and mm. let it run and reacted to it. But he does yeah. uh, he does a lot of kind of wee um, nods to different people throughout these films, because even in Bruno, um, Barakoan had a he had a meeting with William Gallagher after an award show and he said to him beforehand that he was going to be doing a joke about him. He right. said, look, I'm going to do a joke. Are you okay with it? And he was like, yeah, 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 no problem. So he ended up going up on stage and he didn't do the joke. And then he, he's like, right, okay. And then they go to this after party and he's sitting there and he's speaking to him. And he goes, oh, well, um, he starts getting in his face. He's like, how does he not do the joke? Because like, it, just, it just didn't have time, it just didn't kind of mm. fall very well, so it just didn't bother doing it. Why the fuck would you not do a joke about me, motherfucker? <laughs> he starts fucking <laughs> go, having a fair right go on. So in Bruno, he actually gets the no Gallagher, no Gallagher hair, so that's where uh-huh. he kind of took that from, so that's a wee a, ah, okay. nod to him through that. Okay. So he does, there's loads of tiny wee things uh, throughout it, even yeah. in this one, he'd, he'd done a fart that was taken from Radio X, apparently. <laughs> so Chris Moyle says, but, but but um, speaking of things that are a bit forced, I remember hearing like on Twitter that you know that bit where he's walking into the hotel and he's dressed as a KKK member and he's yeah. walking down the hallway and people are like, "What's going on?" And I remember seeing that on Twitter, like, "Oh my god, some guy's just walking about." And I thought it was, I didn't know it was anything to do with uh, this movie, so I watched it. It was like, it just got a flashback, but in the movie. He just walks into the hallway and goes, ha ha, I'm dressed as a key came out. And then goes into his room and gets changed. Yeah, like, how far does he get? <laughs> like, that, that, that was just so forced. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get some guy to do this with me or like a stoos or like some experiment that he does with everyone else. It was just just for shock factor and just to kind of make people the heads turn. I was like, I felt like it was quite, quite forced because no one, no one approved of it. No one reacted against it. Everyone was just like, what the hell's going on? And then that was it. I, I did it wonder the. It was the, twenty uh, seconds in the film. Yeah. Yeah, I wondered if you know that was a, a right wing, well, right wing, but a Republican conference that he was at. If he did that at the Democrat conference, I think the yeah. reaction would be quite different, and that would probably be interesting. Yeah, he didn't as well. do like yeah, front yeah. like political types and all that. It was just in the lobby of a hotel. But like there, there was that bit at the. Um, it was the Pence conference or something like that where he's got his daughter over his shoulder and he's dressed as Trump. Yeah. Like that that's an experiment right there. And that that was that's supposed to get a reaction out of people. So there's there's good bits kind of like that, but there's also bad bits where it's just so forced. Yeah, the know. good bits the good bits for me is when he comes up and it is a genuine reaction. It couldn't be planted, it couldn't be scripted. Uh, yeah. They're the best bits. The bits that he's kind of forced. He's not looking for a genuine sort of interaction with anybody at that point. When no, he's walking. no, no, no. He's, he's just seeing what you can get away with. I think the problem that he's got is because he's had success with the other movies that he's not going to get that genuine reaction as often. No. Yeah. Hmm. That's where and I think he's... And, from and, success, yeah, the yeah. fact that if he's having to force these things, then yeah, it's never going to play out the way that he's wanting it to play out. By bringing his, his, his daughter, that, that kind of opened up a whole new ballgame of scenarios mm. that you can get. The whole, um, a scene where the, the cake, you know, his daughter eats the cake and eats the baby off the cake. Yeah. 
Oh. I've seen that coming a mile away. I've seen so many episodes of Kirby Enthusiasm that I've seen, <laughs> I've seen that coming a million oh. miles away. And, and that's, that's the setup. There, obviously, there's a like, language barrier in quotes and quotes <laughs> with the characters, and yeah. uh, like he goes to the the doctor, or I don't actually know why to call that type of doctor, but um, and says, "Oh, there's a baby inside her. We must get it out." And it's obviously not communicated. That's a little decoration baby, and it's just yeah. like this. <laughs> and this guy, I don't know if that was a real reaction. Like, but then why would you have a cameraman? Well, wasn't he? Wasn't he a basically a pro-life sort of guy? So he was an anti-abortion. Yeah, yeah. Guy. So his his he's coming from. You shouldn't abort no matter what. And yeah, the joke there is, well, how ridiculous can I make this so-called pregnancy that you would still go along with it? And the fact that she's what fifteen, and that was her dad that done it behind a dumpster. Yeah, he, he still wasn't and like, yeah, still saying, you, 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 should, you should terminate this parent. Yeah, I'll show you a doctor. Uh, I, I think uh, but I, yeah. that bit I went over my head that he's like a pro-life kind of guy. I'm pretty sure that was it, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you want to talk about kind of what the movie was setting up the whole time with the, 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 the thing? Giuliani. Giuliani, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I saw that when it hit the news. And I thought, oh my god, this guy's like a nonce or something. He's, he's touching himself from his fifteen-year-old girl. What's going on? And then you watch the movie, and then he's just doing an interview with that production company you mentioned, and um, and then Borat like ruins the interview. So they go in the side room, and he's got like an interview, kind of like a microphone pack thing. He's tucking it under his shirt, and so she grabs it off and takes it out. And so he leans back on this bed. He's a really old guy, and he's tucking his shirt back in. And Bora bursts into the room and says, she's 15, what are you doing? And the guy freaks out and then tries to leave. But I don't know. I, I feel like they were trying to, I don't know, try to entrap him or something like that. Basically, <laughs> we're trying to entrap him. Yeah. Um, if that hit the news and it, somebody had, like, people had the wrong reaction to that, because you can't predict someone's reaction to something. Yeah, that's what point. it's kind of about. Mm. He could have been hung to high heaven, you know, and, like, <laughs> done whatever. So, I think, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I feel like this movie was his kind of saving grace, because they saw, it, like, there was plenty of evidence this was all planned, but if you if you read in the news, this, this creepy old Guys touch himself for a fifteen-year-old girl. You're thinking, who real guy who married, married his cousin? I didn't got... know that, but yeah, it's, yeah that it's joke was guy. real. Uh, that joke was true. True story. Hmm. So yeah, he definitely. It was definitely the timing of it needed to be bang on. Um, and the left wingers would have they they definitely ran with it all over. You've seen it all over, kind of. The CNN news and all that saying, "Oh, Giuliano," in the in with a six, 15 year old girl and all this, but um, yeah, it, it could have been innocent. I seen that you, you see her touching his leg and all this, and just kind of playing it, and just kind of building it right up. So mm. it's the big thing that that the whole point in that was. Let's get this in the news. Let's not have to spend yeah. too much on our advertising budget and let's just kind of with it. Um, chuck that out there just a couple of weeks before the before <laughs> we release this. 
and let it fly. And that's what he does, and that's what he does so well. And because because Giuliani's, you've already got questions on on him on his ethics with him marrying his cousins exactly. (laughs) And then it works out even better. So yeah, Yeah. it's. It's, it's, it's well genius. It was quite a coup ah. to, to get that. It was genius, and mm. yeah, you're right. And Giuliano <laughs> fell right into face. He didn't He didn't go face first right into her. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, maybe she's <laughs> exactly. She's, no, no, no. She's done the whole beauty <laughs> transition, and so Dad, you can probably look up how old the actress is. But I did. I, I think she's 24. 34. Uh, well, at that point, she doesn't look like the the fifteen year old girl, and you know they, they made jokes of that. That of all, I can't do that. But I'm just saying, like it, it, like it's not, it's not like she looks fifteen, and then he does this creepy stuff to her. She just looks like as she is now. Yeah. Yeah. But she I is. don't know. It, it was kind of it was kind of weird situation from the get go. I I think though it's probably done now. Um, yeah, I think half of this movie was was forced and was kind of filler, let's say, mm-hmm. and and half was was really good. Um, and wait, what it's before? been kind of been splashed. Well, been split in half with the pandemic as well. Mm-hmm. They've had yeah, to kind of they've had to work quite a bit on their feet, mm. and with the election, to kind of change all that. Yeah, taking the news well, away as well. I think they were trying to get it out just in time for the elections, which they've done quite well. Um, and I'm not sure how much what they've had to chop out of it, what other controversies they would have kind of had in, in their back pocket. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it was just because it was one of the last movies I'd watched and had a nice wee bit of controversy uh, uh, kicking about through it. And I had a good time it's always good to get a wee bit of Ali G. Hi. Booyakasha. Respect. What do you guys think about that sort of comedy, cringe comedy? Like, is it, do you enjoy it? Because there's a, there's a long history of it. Like, I mentioned Kirby Enthusiasm, but you can go back further to. Uh. Alan Steve Coogan, yeah. uh, I was going to say. Um, it, 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 I find it really, really good in small doses. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I, I, like I it. it. Uh, I, I like it. Like and... I've seen a bit of the UK office as well. That's kind of like the king of that. Ricky oh, Gervais and stuff like yeah. that. He's, he's the butt of every joke and stuff. It's great because you just, you, you kind of, you want to look, look away, but you just can't. You just kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's, it's great because it gives you that emotion and there's not many things that you watch on TV that can actually get you to react in that type of way yeah. as often yeah. as it does so for for actors and for comedians to be able to do that yeah it's, it gives it kind of gives it on, nice like, like, compare it to an episode of tip up I, I Friends or, Friends that's what I was going to say where the jokes are written, prepared, set up, and then you get the canned laughter. Yeah. And they're so over the top. They're so dr- like in their delivery. You're looking for a bit of realism, and, and this gives you a little bit of realism. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love it when something something happens to somebody. 
somebody trips up and falls on their face. God, yeah. to piss yourself laughing at that. <laughs> yeah, over these kind of situations, I like to think, uh-huh. what, what would I do in that situation? <laughs> you know, I would probably just curl up in a ball and die. Uh-huh. But I can, I can do that, you know. There's other things he's done. Uh, Sasha Cohen, do you remember the... Um, I can't remember where it was, but he's a big, huge army guy. Right, this doesn't sound very. This character, he's 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 massive. Oh, he's, he's from Ukraine or something, right? And mm. he he hates, but he's mass he's massively pro gun. And what he's he, who he's speaking to is a is a politician in America who was like pretty much a warmonger. I know overseen in, invasions in Iraq twice, Af- Afghanistan and everything. So he's interviewing him. So it was Ali G style. And he's yeah. interviewed him and he says shit like, uh, what was your favourite war? <laughs> and then he says, back, back home, so they start going on about uh, school shootings and stuff. So back home, we train, we train three, four, five, six-year-olds with guns to protect their schoolmates. So they'll, they'll pick somebody in the class we get gun. And he says, do you think that would fly in America? And the guy's like, Wow, wow, yeah, we were actually thinking of doing something like that. We, we, were, we were going to go about seven or eight, but you guys went three or four. He says, yeah, oh, yeah, three or yeah. four's fine. He says, we don't do two because, yeah, you've heard of the phrase terrible twos, but three's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, uh, who's America? That's what it was. Is that what it is? Uh, uh, <laughs> just like uh, an idea. Hi. And there's another one where it's probably the same thing if he's doing different characters in this. But yeah. he's he's uh he's like a preppy uh sort of school teacher type and he's at mm. he's he's promising this little hick town in America masses of investment. So he's got like a, a screen on a whiteboard sort of thing uh, going on and he says, Yeah, there's gonna be loads and loads of investment here. Who would like that? Hey, I'll put all their hands up. And says, yeah, it's going to it's be 24 million pounds into this little town. Yeah, who wants to put hands up? He says, well, it's going to be the world's biggest mosque. <laughs> and they all just... No, stop losing the shit. No, fuck the movies. There's one guy who not says... In, not in my America. Yeah, there's one guy who says, we tolerate the blacks just because we have to. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and not the See, fucking that's, A-Rebs that, that is the he plays the idiot enough to let the other person's guard down mm. so that they show them show their true self mm. and that's that's the whole kind of concept of his cleanliness as a comedian he makes you mm. so relaxed that you can just show your true fucking Maybe, maybe not with, feelings. Yeah, maybe not with that guy, but maybe some things he gets people to say they wouldn't be caught dead saying, mm. only just thinking. And then he gets them to say it, and it's like, oh no. I'm not going to tell him to stop, but I might think again before yeah. watching it again anytime soon. Yeah, it's not something we'll back and watch. I, guess, yeah. I did like the uh, uh, maybe a spoilers, but um, uh, right at the end, they have an unusual, uh, the usual suspect kind of ending, and they realise he's the one that spread the virus. Yeah, and <laughs> I loved that. That was probably the funniest part of the movie to me. Yeah, 
And it's like, who's been around these companies coughing on everyone? And it's just a super cut of him coughing on every person he saw. Super spread. That's a great film, by the way, The Usual Suspects. Oh, absolutely epic. One of my favourites. Right, Daz, what are we watching next week? Mm -hmm. Right, well, um, I kind of... I kind of have a list of stuff I kind of want to see myself. So the podcast is a, a good excuse to actually get around to them. And so the one I've picked, I don't know if you guys have seen it, it's a Jim Carrey film. Um, it's called oh. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. I don't, I've always just heard really good things about that. And um, I don't know too much about it. I think it's like some memory thing involved. Like I think if you, they could choose to delete certain memories. And what kind of person that makes them afterwards? You could probably look up the premise now, Dad, but um, and say it better than I did. But I don't know. I've heard good things. It's not Katie being his like in a comedic he's, self. It's uh, more. He's had a couple of movies actually that's more serious, and it's just like wow, this guy's actually got range. But like, you see him in this amazing film. Yeah, we've we've watched that, haven't we, Dad? Yeah, we watched um, that recently. And actually, I should know this film. I know of it. Not seen it. So I've, I've heard that as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this now. I'm glad. Yeah. You, I'm glad you've said it. Definitely underrated. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. I don't know if it's underrated, but I don't know. It's kind of like it's spoken well, but I, I haven't have people rave about it. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So the guy who wrote it was Charlie Kaufman, mm-hmm. and um, that's he he wrote. He's he's also done being John Malkovich. And Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And also this year, like, so when I looked up Captain Fantastic, I just did a quick Google, what's the best film on Netflix just now? And you know, you get these stupid fucking 35 best movies on Netflix right now, sort of flipping through that. And there was two that kind of caught my attention. One was Captain Fantastic and one was I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which was written by Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, that is... That's actually a quite a good film as well. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Definitely a trip. I'm thinking of anything. But what was the premise for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? So we can just have it in stone. Okay, uh, follows an estranged couple who have raised each other from their memories. Oh wow! Right, so, so it's if they fall back in love or not, type thing. Yeah. The the film uses elements of the psychological thriller and the non-linear narrative to explore the nature of memory of and romantic love. All right, okay. That's oh. pretty good. Uh, I, th- I think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love my that... <laughs> Yeah. It's in dance as well. All right. But I like the idea of um, seeing, seeing them, you know, kind of afterwards, and then seeing, I think they might have to like remember things and see what made the relationship tick in the first place. So the pain and maybe fall back in love all over again. Yep. That's and then maybe so. realize why they delete themselves in the first place. Ah, yeah, well, mm. there you go. Fucking knew it. <laughs> 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 you did that. That so annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. Stop Let's putting the that. dishes in the dishwasher that way. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did you get, yeah, did you get a trigger? <laughs> Aye, that's yeah. it. No, I've, I've been wanting to see this film. Well, I've spoke about, I've heard, I've 
spoke about this film a couple of times with uh, a friend before, and he he's raved about it, and I've never got around to watching it. And yeah, because it's such an old film, I would never actually get back get back around to watching this unless it kind of came on and it was right at the start as I changed the channel at that one point in time in my yeah. life. And then uh, yeah, mm-hmm. um, so no, it was a great pick, mate. Well, well, hopefully gives, it is. Uh, gives, yeah. gives you that chance. Uh, exactly. I'm just, I'm just Kate Winslet does it. another uh, Titanic, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what, are you, what are you coughing at? <laughs> I'm just coughing. Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the age of our viewers. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where to what where you can watch it. I think you maybe have to pay a couple of quid for this. No, I don't oh, you want to name it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ah, oh, listen to you today. <laughs> <laughs> We've got things covered. Oh, okay. and another another thing. Um, mm. Fresh Prince of Bel Air documentary. It's HBO right. Max. So mm. it's um, all the. The cast and crew from Fresh Prince is coming back together for a nice wee chit chat. Looks like it could be all right if you're ever a Fresh Prince uh, Bel Air fan. Seen tons just, of it. I just kind of seen that um, just before I came on. I thought, yeah, that seems like something that could be pretty decent. Well, or it could just be absolutely crap. We'll wait to All right, okay. Let's end it there then. So we've got uh, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind for everybody to watch for next week. Yeah, we'll see you then. Kieran, you've got a cool, yeah. funky sign-off to nah, do I've this. absolutely fucked it this time. Um, find us on Twitter at Crossy's Nibble, please, and just uh, tell us what you think about this. <laughs> I've absolutely fucked it. <laughs> Bye. Right, start again. <laughs> and was- uh, in case we're looking for any extra sponsorship, Innocent Gun, you've got a fine, finely crafted beer in lager, which I enjoy every single time we podcast like this every other night whenever we get a chance to actually do a podcast. What he said. <laughs>